Hey, good morning. So, um, second live stream and slowly still getting into the idea and how I want to do all these, but really enjoying the process. It's a different way for me to share, um, hopefully bring some value to you. And in today's episode, episode, I want to touch on anxiety and habits. Now, I don't think, especially now post-COVID, I don't think there's anybody out there who doesn't have some sort of anxiety, something they worry about. And sometimes you can put your finger on it. Other times it's just like this worry that something's wrong and I don't know what to do about it. It's a normal thing. Now, anxiety is even in nature. If you look at something like impalas, right? They're at the bottom of the food chain. They seem tense and anxious all the time. There is a certain amount of it that's healthy, but then when it goes over that, not so much. We can normally break it down to fear and anxiety. Fear is something that happens when you are threatened, there's a risk of harm, and that's normal and natural, but it's a fleeting thing, it comes and goes. Anxiety on the other side tends to take us to a place where we overthink, we overfeel, and then bad decisions can get made. Now, how I want to link these is if you look at habits, right? A habit is something that you do again and again and again. And I mentioned this in the video on my Instagram earlier this week, maybe last week. But a habit is something that you go into autopilot on. So it just happens. Again, imagine for me if you brush your teeth, for example. You get up, you walk to the sink. Do you literally think through every step of the way? Do you apply mental energy to think, hold toothbrush, get toothpaste, put toothpaste on toothbrush? And you think, no, it kind of happens automatically. You just go for it. During that time, your brain for that mental activity can switch off and just do what it should do. Same goes for driving. If you're into a habit of, for example, doing exercise just when you get home, that, that becomes a habit. But the big thing is, and there's, there's a lot of talk about these things, if you go into that research, on anxiety as a habit. We've gotten to a place where we habitually worry about things that normally we would not need to worry about. And I'm going to show you some, some habit loops. Um, it's TBR. It's trigger, behavior, and reward. And with that little loop, what happens is you go into anxiety, or you have anxiety, you go into this loop, and it either just keeps you there, or it makes it worse. But your brain thinks, hey, cool, no, don't worry about this. I've done something. So let's just look at a few kind of breakdowns and descriptions over here. Anxiety, it's a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. Normally, we overthink these things dramatically, right? We dramatically overthink these things. So um, that's the first step. Now, if we go further, in the absence of past experience or accurate important information, you'll find it really hard to shut off that worry switch and calmly plan for the future. Now, that's an important thing because when we get into anxious thought patterns, when you start thinking anxiety, something big, imminent event coming up, uh, public speaking, I've got to drive through a bad neighborhood, I have to have a difficult conversation with my partner or spouse, anxiety kicks in and then you start thinking of all the potential worst outcomes. And the brain, 
Unfortunately, we are wired negatively because negative stimulus in the past was important because if you didn't pay attention in the old days when we lived in the bush and cavemen days, bad things could happen. So it's important for us to pay attention to negative things. However, in today's world, if you have a difficult conversation with someone, you're not going to die. But the brain still acts like it's a life-threatening event and it feels like it. So going back here, in the absence of past experience and active information, you find it really hard to switch that worry trigger off. Now, how many of you can relate to this? Anxiety, triggering, worrying, triggering, anxiety, triggering, worrying, triggering. So you start worrying about something, anxiety kicks in. Then the more anxious you get, the more you start worrying. So as an example, if you have, um, if you have kids, in the old days, if I lived around the corner from where I am now, so if I went to visit a friend, my mom would say to me, okay, cool, you're going to walk down that road, and when you get there, you phone me immediately so I know that you're safe. Okay, cool. So in my parents' minds, there might have been a certain amount of anxiety, is he okay? But that was it. That was cool. Is he okay? He gets there, and he phones me, and we're good. In today's world, you can put tracking devices on your kids. That sounds horrible. But you can have, they can have a phone, they can have an Apple AirTag, whatever the case is. So you now have more information with which to deal with the situation. So as little Johnny starts walking, you go and check on the phone and you say, okay, cool, he's around the corner, he's going. But why did he stop? Maybe he's, I don't know, petting a dog or tying up his shoelace. Suddenly there's this information, okay, but he's standing still, something happened. No, no, he's moving again. So the initial anxiety through more information, incorrect information, gets triggered. Then you start worrying, why did he stand still? Why is he not moving on this tracking device? But then he starts moving again and the anxiety, and it just keeps looping around and around and around. You can take this to any part of your life. It's a very, very real thing. So going on from there, uh, let's go back here. So if we look at that then, addiction. This is an interesting one. It's the continued use despite adverse consequences. Now, most people, when we talk about addiction, right, is we think about things like drugs, alcohol, um, sex addiction, porn addiction. Um, there's all of these very hardcore things that when we speak about addiction, that's what you think it is. However, if we look at our description, the continued use of something despite adverse consequences. Social media, your phone, bad eating habits, not taking care of yourself, toxic relationships. Those are addictions. Social media is an addiction. And I don't have to tell you guys this, you probably know this, but the continued use, even though you know something's bad for you, you continue doing it, online shopping, right? It's so easy. Just click and come. It's not good for you because you might not have thought that through all the way. But if we start looking at the addictions we have in our lives, and all of us have them, me, you, all of us, but it's the continued use despite negative consequences. Anxiety for some people is an addiction. And it's because of these feedback loops, these habit loops that your brain thinks you've done something in order to cure it. So let's go a little bit deeper onto that. If I look at here, addiction, right. Anxiety is a bit trickier than most habits, bad habits. To manage anxiety, we need a bottom-up approach. So let's start with something simple. 
What are the three things that you do every day? What are your main addictions? All right. What bad habits are you currently doing despite adverse consequences? Because if you know you're using too much social media, if you know, and you will know, if, if it is, you'll know, if you know you're not eating healthy, but you keep on eating all the cakes and the sweets and stuff, that will start causing a baseline anxiety, right? You'll get anxious because, damn, am I compromising my health? This might happen just below the surface, but it's there. Then anxiety might kick in a habit loop and it starts feeding the whole process. When you are overwhelmed, and this is an important thing, by the fear of the future, anxiety is the fear of the future, yeah? Our PFCs, our prefrontal cortex, the rational thinking part of your brain goes offline. Now, this is an important thing. So imagine, if you will, you at the edge of the road and you have to cross the road. As you step into the road, a car comes barreling down on you. And in that second, you see this thing and you jump back. That's an immediate fear response. The body reacts because it's like, shit, the car's going to hit me. You jump back. In that moment, that singular moment, you didn't think about it. You didn't break it down for yourself. You didn't get anxious, right? You jump back. The moment you step out of fear or out of danger's way and the initial shock slash fear disappears, then your brain starts kicking in and it's like, oh my God, that was very dangerous. I could have died. It was very, it was a bad decision. However, However, you're not making rational decisions in that time because when there's the fight or flight or freeze response, right, your prefrontal cortex, the part of the brain that manages rational thinking and decision making literally goes offline. It doesn't work. Let me think about this for a second with you. So something like trauma or continued stress or an anxiety attack or a panic attack. For those of you that have had it, Something happens and you start getting super anxious and you've got to just sit still for a second and breathe. And you're like, don't know if I can do this. Can you make decisions in that time? You're probably telling yourself, listen, I, I, I don't know what to do. Do I phone this person? Don't I do go? I don't know what to do. But if you sit still for a little bit and you breathe and you just ride it out, so to speak, you white knuckle through that stage, the prefrontal cortex comes back online and rational decision making will start happening again. It's a big thing. Trauma, stress, anxiety, all these things can force the prefrontal cortex to go offline. But let me show you this. So if I look at the prefrontal cortex, right, there's nine functions. This is obviously just overview. Empathy, insight, response flexibility, emotion regulation, important body regulation, morality, intuition, attuned communication, and fear modulation. That happens in the prefrontal cortex. It's basically the area just behind your forehead and behind your eyes, right? The limbic brain, the fight, flight, freeze response happens there. It's the emotional center. Emotions live here, right? That is where the initial reactions come from. Now, the, the best description I've heard for this is if you look at the two, the amygdala, it sits at the base of the brain. And that's part of the limbic system, the emotional center, if you will. And then you've got the prefrontal cortex, which is the rational brain, where decisions are made. So you've all had that feeling when you walk around a street or something, and you feel just something just ain't right. There's something not right here. You don't know what it is. That generally comes, it's the, it's the amygdala is like the, the body and the brain's um, smoke detector. And 
it picks up on cues and emotions and small things and it realizes, okay, something's wrong. We need to react here. And you start getting heart palpitations, you start sweating, you get nervous, your body tenses up. It's preparing for something that could happen. It normally over, over, overemphasizes this anyway. If you then start looking around and you start paying attention, prefrontal cortex kicks in and it looks at the situation and it says, okay, cool. This is not too bad. No, the guy that was over there, he wasn't looking at me in a bad way. He was just tying his shoelace, whatever the case is. So you start rationalizing that. Now, in any stressful situation, and anxiety generally is stress, but it's self-induced and it's a fear about the future, about things that probably won't happen, right? The prefrontal cortex is the one where you can rationalize these things for yourself. Now, you can imagine for yourself, if moment this thing is offline, the prefrontal cortex in the front here, the red area, when that thing's firing, you can make decisions, you can think rationally. It's when it's connected then to the back. The limbic system is all these lines going forward and back. That is good communication throughout the brain, right? But when this prefrontal cortex goes offline and there's no communication with the emotional center, you are acting emotionally. And when we act emotionally, when this prefrontal cortex is not online, you are relying completely on the emotional center of the brain in order to make decisions. And when you're anxious, and you get to a point of anxiety where it's quite severe, it switches off. You're not making rational decisions, right? From a day-to-day example, your prefrontal cortex is the thing that regulates decision-making. Let's go basic. For example, and we all have this, sometimes you'll walk along a bridge and you'll think, hmm, I wonder what will happen if I jump off here. I want to jump off here. Or you walk and as it's random, it's the most strange thoughts. I wonder what would happen if I drive my car over that um, sidewalk, whatever. The rational brain, the prefrontal cortex is the thing that says, no, here's why. It's rational. When that thing switches off, we make emotional decisions and we all know that's not a good thing. When you are anxious and you go into an anxiety habit loop, sometimes the prefrontal cortex, depending on the intensity, doesn't work like it should and we make bad decisions. So, check this out. If we now look at, that is an anxiety habit loop. There's a trigger. Something happens that you start thinking about anxiety or thinking about something that you're anxious about or something happens. Then there's a behavior. It's a normal, normal loop, right? Something triggers you, you have a certain behavior, and then there's a reward. Now, this habit loop is where it's very easy for us and for many of us to become addicted to anxiety and for anxiety to feed itself. Let me explain. So if you have a thought or an emotion, right? So let's just go back for a second. Something happens, thought or emotion, you have a behavior that happens. This could be a thinking, uh, go training, speak to someone, whatever. And then there's the reward. So in a normal situation, you have a thought or an emotion. If it's anxiety, you then start worrying. Like, oh shit, I've got to do the speech tomorrow. I'm start worrying. Then the, you get avoidance or overthinking. So here's, here's the problem with this habit loop when you get to anxiety. Is you have the initial anxious thought. You then start worrying about it, i.e. thinking about it, overthinking. For the brain, sometimes it then thinks, hey, you know what? I don't have to do anything about this because I'm already doing something. Behavior, I'm thinking about it. So the reward for the brain is sometimes, yes, I've thought about it. And that's okay. That causes you more anxiety. 
you then start thinking about it more. The brain's like, cool, we've thought about it. We're good. We can move on. But the habit loop just continues. Example, you come home from work, late afternoon anxiety, get home, you're not sure about what's happening tomorrow, whatever the case is, trigger. Behavior, you start drinking. Why? Because the reward is you feel numb and you forget about the anxiety. However, it doesn't take it away. Tomorrow you do the same thing because you've stuck in that habit loop. Another example, you have early morning anxiety. I've got a big day at work. I didn't prepare well enough. I've got an exam, whatever the case might be. Procrastinate. That's the act. That's the behavior that you do. Because often this is probably when the prefrontal cortex is going offline a bit. Instead of rationally thinking and say, if I do this thing, it will be better. It's not there. So you procrastinate. What is the reward? Avoidance. You're just kicking that thing further down the road. It didn't take the fact away that you're anxious about something and that something isn't be dealt with. Right. You have a fight with your partner, right? The fight starts. You then, the behavior is you start worrying about potential conflict, that it's going to get worse. The fight's going to keep going. That causes you anxiety. Let's look at one of the previous ones. You get anxiety. You might start drinking. You get numb and you forget. Not one of those two situations are solved now because there was, you, you numb and you forget, but you can have another fight with your partner, which is going to breed anxiety, which is going to make you drink again. Anxiety habit loops. Anxiety. In this situation, you, you fight with your partner. You worry about more potential conflict. This causes you anxiety. You now have anxiety. You shout at your partner. And you now have relationship issues, which is going to cause you more anxiety. So all these things keep on looping around and around. The problem is this one, right, is that we have a thought or emotion your brain worries and you think about it. And often the brain is under the impression, I'm, I'm keeping this down, that because I've thought about it, because I've worried about it, I've dealt with it. It doesn't fix anything. Not one of these things gets dealt with, right? Anxiety, shout at your partner, relationship issues, causes more anxiety. You might go drink, you feel numb, you forget. It kicks back. Those habits, we get addicted to these things. You get a new book on anxiety. You read this book and you're like, okay, cool. Let me do this. You read the book in one sitting. That's your behavior. The trigger is you buy the book. This is a good thing. You behavior is you read the book in one sitting. You're done. You understand it, but you don't take action. So what? You're just going to get the next book, read it. Because the behavior, the reward is I've read the book. It didn't solve the thing. It's just a loop and it's going to come back. That's the problem. So just this little picture here. Funny enough, this is on a very random note. This is AI generated. I said to AI, give me a picture of a small black pug shaking. And that's what it came up with. But let's get back to that. The reason I put that in there is there is a physical manifestation of anxiety in our body. It is what it is. Nature does the same thing. When zebras have had a fight or they've had a stress uh, or a predator attack them, for example, after the while, watch them, they'll kind of jump around and kick. What do dogs do after a stressful situation? After dogs have had a fight, after they've been in a bad situation, what do they do? They shake. Why? To release the body's tension. So now let's add all this together. You come home from work. You've had a very shitty day. You have a big week ahead. You come home and you're anxious about the rest of the week. You're, that's a trigger. 
the behavior, I'm going to have a drink. The reward, I feel numb and it makes me forget all of the bad stuff. Anxiety is not gone. Your partner comes home. He or she gives you problems or just triggers you in some way. Triggers, whole different discussion. That trigger means your behavior is a fight starts. That fight cause more, more, causes more anxiety. When this anxiety level then climbs up, suddenly your prefrontal cortex where you make rational decisions basically goes offline. Now you're acting emotionally. And unfortunately, we're wired such that the brain thinks that worrying about something is an action that is rewarding because I've done something. You've done nothing. It's a very hard thing, guys. It's a very hard thing to manage anxiety without looking at your habits. When I get anxious, what do I do? Most of you, guaranteed, pick up your phone and you start scrolling because it takes your mind away from the thing. So you're anxious. You pick up your phone, you start scrolling. The brain thinks, cool, I've done something. It doesn't judge whether it's good or bad, but you've done something. Reward is, cool, I've scrolled social, I'm good. Anxiety is not away. Something else happens, kicks that into hoop again. The problem with this is, it's fed our anxiety because it's a very easy answer. And the brain doesn't judge whether it's good or bad. I've done something. I've always said to my coaching clients that one is better than zero. And this can go through mental health, physical health, relationships, family, whatever the case might be. And in this case, it's the same. You get anxiety or you get anxious about something. Even if you do your anxiety habit loop in the smallest way, you are feeding that system. So what do we need to do here? How do, how do we solve this? The first thing is to start becoming aware that you have an anxiety habit loop. You're anxious about something. We need to slow down. If you have a traumatic event, the prefrontal cortex, your rational decision-making goes off. And in that instance, you might make a silly decision. Like sometimes you'll, you'll see movies and stuff and he doesn't know what happened after that traumatic event. Could be because he wasn't thinking rationally. He was acting emotionally. Then the rational thinking came back. But you need to, when you're anxious and you do something, you need to start, and, and writing's great for this. Journaling slows you down. It gives time for the prefrontal cortex to kick in again and be awake, so to speak. So you can make rational decisions. But when you're anxious, notice what you do. Do I reach for the bottle? Do I reach for my phone? Do I send messages or DMs to, to people that I shouldn't? Do I, you know what I mean? All that. Notice the behaviors that you do when you get anxious and then write them down. And then when you're in a good space or speaking to someone, a coach, a therapist, a friend, then say, okay, here's my notes. This is the things that I've done when I'm anxious. How does it serve me? Is it kicking that loop in? Or if I have two loops together, right? How can I split away from these and start breaking them up and create better loops? If I'm anxious, for example, if I can slow down enough that I realize, okay, cool, I'm not thinking clearly here, let me go and train or get on the treadmill or lift heavy weights. Then you're starting to break the bad habit loops and you're creating good habit loops. The brain will not make a difference between me going to sit on the couch and just worry about being anxious or me getting a good training session in. The brain feels it's done something. Trigger. The brain does a behavior, whatever that is, and there's the reward. The reward for the brain is I have thought about being anxious or the reward could be I've trained, I feel better. There's no judgment from in here. That's the difficult thing. So from an anxiety habit loop point of view, 
you want to make sure, it's a hard thing, but it's very possible, is when you start getting anxious, use the notes app on your phone, don't open Instagram, but use the notes app, carry a little journal and write down, Wednesday, 12.27, feeling very anxious, what am I doing next? I mentioned this last week and a few times this week to my clients, when you get anxious about stuff, we pull back, yeah? I'm anxious about this phone call, so I'm not going to do it. Avoidance. I'm anxious about this the speech that I have to do, so I'm going to avoid it, not work on it now. I'll do it later, right? It's because you're not thinking rationally about it. Because if you're nervous about the phone call, get it done. Get it out the way. That's the rational thinking. Then it's finished. So anxiety pulls us back because the prefrontal cortex slows down. What's important is to be curious about why. Curiosity makes us lean into something. Anxiety makes us pull back. So that's the biggest thing I can give you. When you go into anxiety habit loops, cancel that. When you go and look for your anxiety habit loops, because we all have them, and we don't think about them because they're habits, same as brushing your teeth. You don't think of you busy doing it, it just happens. Get curious about it. There is a space in between fear happening and the prefrontal cortex coming back online, there is a space where you can slow down and just be curious. You might not be able to rationally think about something, but you can observe. And during that observe, try and be curious as to why I'm anxious. Why am I reaching for my phone? Is it because you're going to Google ways to not be anxious? Or is it you're going to scroll on Instagram and just feed the system even further? If you get anxious and you just observe, be curious about the fact, why do I reach for the bottle? You know what I mean? So curiosity for me is a huge one in looking at these anxiety habit loops and eventually to anxiety and to anxiousness. Um, it's obviously, we're talking top level stuff here, but it is the start of it. And then once you realize that you have these habit loops, and some of them, it can be deep. Some of them can just keep on looping 15 steps deep, 16 steps deep, but you don't know it. We get addicted to it. We get addicted to the fact that I'm anxious, I sit and worry about it, so therefore I've done something. It makes us, at some level, it makes us feel good that we've done something, and you get addicted to that feeling. So the moment you realize, when you go and look, that you have these loops, then you need to see how you can break them. And that, that normally working with a coach, working with a therapist, really looking in the mirror and having a good hard talk with yourself. But curiosity is the start of that. So next time you get anxious and you start, and be curious about the very first thing that you do when you get anxious and be curious about that and see where does that take you? Does it take you away from the anxiety or more than likely it's going to just loop you back? We have to break that. Anyway, guys, if you have any questions, please get in touch. If you want to chat, let me know. Uh, I'm on Instagram, same handle, Jerry Van Vault, and um, I will see you next week. I'll load the new uh, topics up. I've got some travels coming up, but I'm going to pre-record some of these, and um, I hope you find some value. If you want to chat, let me know. Otherwise, have a great day. Take care of yourself, and I'll chat to you next time. Bye, guys. Mm -hmm.